Hello everyone, I'd like to welcome you to Professional Oklahoma Educators Bite Size Learning Podcast, where bite-sized changes can have a big impact on the classroom. This is Season 1, Episode 11. I'm Jason Bings, the host of this podcast. Now we're calling this episode Failing Forward, and hopefully by the time we're finished, you'll understand the mentality and the thoughts behind that title. Now as a teacher, you're constantly collecting data either through observations, questioning, or assessment. But what do you do with that information once you collect it? Now, if you don't use the information you've gathered, it was just a waste of time, and and truthfully, why did you even bother collecting it in the first place if you're not going to use it? Now, when your students have mastered the material already, your action is pretty simple. You move on to the next standard or objective and you come back and revisit it periodically just to see if they still have it. But what do you do if the data you collected shows you that they didn't fully grasp it, that they don't understand the content? Well, if you collect data and it points to this and you don't act on it quickly, what you do is run the risk of your students getting that that incorrect method, that incorrect concept locked into their memory. And some brain brain research indicates that it takes seven times of doing something the correct way in order to erase and overwrite the information that they've solidified using the improper method. So because of that, it's very critical and very important that you handle these errors, these mistakes, in a timely fashion, that you take care of them quickly. So here are a few techniques that I think will help you act on the data you have and do so in a timely fashion. So the first one is to plan for error. Now many of the mistakes and misunderstandings that your students are going to make are common. They're mistakes that you probably made when you learned the material yourself. You can help eliminate some of those errors by planning ahead for them. So if you intentionally cover those common errors, those common mistakes as part of your instruction, you might be able to prevent them ever making that same mistake themselves. Now, I would often try to build into my lesson examples statements like this. Well, the previous class asked this question, or I might say something like, last year's class often forgot to do this, and I'd lead into an example. And I would provide some sort of an example that's going to intentionally try to eliminate some of those common errors that they're going to make. So think about that as you go through your planning process. Now when you're planning your lessons, you should be creating questions that you're going to use to gather information and collect data. Now this is meant to help you understand what they know of the material and determine what they truly grasp. You also need to prepare some possible incorrect answers to those questions. So you need to kind of think ahead, how are they going to get this wrong? Instead of, what's the correct answer for this? So what are some possible mistakes that they're going to make as they go through this learning process? And once you have those in mind, you can plan out what your response is going to be to those mistakes or those errors a lot easier. Now, I know this sounds labor-intensive, but as you progress in your career, this gets easier and easier. You'll have a deeper understanding of the mistakes and errors that they're going to make in the learning process and throughout the course of a lesson. So the second thing that I think it's important that you uh, try to establish, the second technique, is what I call a culture of error. 
So as educators, we need to create this environment where our students feel comfortable making mistakes, where they feel comfortable discussing their mistakes. If we can create that type of environment where we can spend more time fixing mistakes and errors and less time trying to find them, we need to build in the idea that more than likely we're not going to do it right the first time. We will not get it correct. And we need to focus on this concept and this idea of growth versus perfection. We know we're not going to get it right the first time. Our goal is to constantly grow and improve, and we want our students to feel comfortable in that type of environment. And when they do, they're going to feel comfortable sharing their mistakes. They're not going to hide them from you as much. And the only way to make that happen is for them to feel safe sharing when they mess up. So when a student makes a mistake, one of the things that we need to make sure is happening is that there's no one giggling, no one snickering, uh, that there's no one being disrespectful during this time period. And instead, what they should be desiring is to help that person understand and improve. Because odds are they're going to be in that same position very soon. So we have to teach them how we want them to respond when a student doesn't understand or when a student answers incorrectly. And this needs to be modeled in our procedures. So if you're building a culture of error, you need to keep these ideas in mind and at the forefront of your practice. Idea number one is that mistakes are normal. So as part of a culture of error, mistakes are normal. When they occur, we don't get upset. So as the teacher, you don't get upset. As the student, we try to build in this idea that they don't get upset as well. And we should expect them, we should expect those mistakes. We should expect them to make mistakes. And we're going to use those mistakes to further the learning process and to help us grow. So when you observe a few students making similar mistakes, you can stop and use phrases like, well, I'm glad to see that, that you guys have made this mistake because it helps me know how I can help you. And so you use that as a building opportunity, as a learning opportunity. And then you needed to proceed to provide examples that are going to clarify or reteach the concept. There are too many times that we as teachers frame this in a very negative way. And when we do that, we shut down the learning process for our students. If we want to capitalize on the mistakes and use them to enhance the learning environment, we have to remain positive about it. So we can't use phrases like, you know how to do this already, why are you doing it that way? Because that puts our students on the defensive and that flight or fight instinct kicks in. Another tool that you can use is don't reveal the correct answer. So number two is don't reveal the correct answer. Don't reveal it too early. You're going to give the correct answer at some point. You just don't want to reveal it too soon. So when you're discussing questions with your students, and let's say it's a multiple choice question, as soon as you reveal the correct answer, everybody stops listening to what you're saying until you get to the next question. So if you want to increase the rigor of the work, you need to have them express their thinking process. And so the way you would do this is to discuss every possible choice before you reveal which one is the correct one. Or maybe not necessarily every possible choice, but you might discuss those that are similar and talk about those a little bit 
So as part of the process, you ask your students to share what they think of a particular answer, regardless of whether or not they think that's the correct answer or not. Now use your cold call technique on this. We talked about that in previous episodes, but the cold call technique is basically where you're not calling on hands that are raised, you're calling on individual students, uh, and you're also not giving the students the option to bow out and say, I don't know. So build all of that into your processes. Now you can use a similar technique when you're talking about open-ended questions. So if you um, can post possible answers without revealing student names or whether they're correct or not, you can discuss the thinking behind each answer before revealing which answers are correct. Alright, so the third technique you need to use in this type of environment where you're promoting this, um, this culture of error in your classroom is using your poker face. Now, whether you realize it or not, you often reveal if an answer is correct or incorrect just based on your expressions or your actions or the phrases that you use. So watch, watch yourself in that area and make sure that you're not revealing those answers uh, too soon. And so for the same reasons that we mentioned above, if we if we let them know what the correct answer is or we tell them that they're wrong without saying that they're wrong, just with our expressions or our, or our phrases that we're using, they're going to shut down and we end the discussion and the learning process right there. And that indicates this level of failure to our students. So we want to keep them engaged as long as possible. So we need to treat the correct and the incorrect responses with the same attitude if we want our students to be comfortable sharing. And if we get the correct response immediately, it's okay to ask for more responses just to gauge the thinking in the room. And in fact, I would really encourage you to do that because you may have called on the one person in the room that knows the answer and you have no idea if the rest of the class understands it or not. So you need to get more than one response to a lot of these questions that you're asking. You want to find some of the potential mistakes and help steer them to the correct idea without shutting down and hindering the learning process. Alright, so the fourth technique in this one is to encourage bravery. So if a student is bold enough to ask questions or seek clarification, praise them for it. Encourage them to find the correct way to do something. Alright, so that's your culture of error. So the next idea that I want you to think about is to dig into the errors. So when students make mistakes, study them so that you can find and understand why they're struggling and how you can help them. You can use this to help individuals or you can use this as a large group teaching tool. So as you're observing the class, you may see a few students making mistakes. If all of them are different and making different mistakes, you don't really need to address it with the entire class. That would be something you would handle individually since they're all different kinds of mistakes. But if you see a large number of students struggling, you may need to do some reteaching. And in the case of a few students, it might be necessary to address the errors individually or with a small group together to minimize the loss of time for the rest of the class. Now there are times when you really, really need to dig deeply into some of those errors that your students are making. 
And if it seems that most of the class is struggling despite explaining it in multiple formats, you definitely need to dig deeper and try to find the root of the problem. This may take some assistance from colleagues to get this done. And so you might need some colleagues to look over the student work and see if they can identify something you might be missing or offer another idea for teaching the content to them. Rely on your mentors for this as well to help you in these types of situations. All right, so the next concept to keep in mind is what is called identify and correct. So it's important to remember when you discuss the different answer choices that you clearly identify the correct answer and eliminate the incorrect answers. So when we talked about earlier where you're, you're talking about every possible answer choice, once you do that, you've got to make sure that you identify the correct answer and that your students correct it on their paper. So one of the ways you can do this, if you've got it up on the board, is by marking through the incorrect choices and putting a star or a box or circling the correct answer. And so you want to make sure that your students clearly identify the correct answer on their paper as well. Now, this is going to prevent any confusion that some of your students may have because you've discussed multiple answer possibilities. So make sure you clear that up and identify that as you go. So hopefully these ideas will help you use the mistakes in your classroom to fail forward. These ideas are meant to foster the mentality that learning often involves making mistakes and getting things wrong. And so our goal is not to quit because we fail, but to improve and learn from those failures. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Please share and comment to let us know how we can help you and others. You may leave your comments on your podcatcher of choice, but to guarantee we receive them in a timely manner, please leave your feedback on bit.ly slash bite-sized pod and complete the form that you'll find there. If you'd like to schedule a professional learning session for your school or an online meeting, you can send an email to pd at apoe.org. If you'd like more information about professional Oklahoma educators, check out our website, www.apoe.org. You can find the links to this podcast and blog under the Resources tab on the website, or by going straight to poebitesizedlearning.blogspot.com. POE can also be found on Facebook, apoe.org, and on Twitter at prof.oklahoma.edu.